Welcome, Wheatland family and friends. Thanks so much for joining us. You are listening to Cross Reference, a podcast of Wheatland Presbyterian Church. I am Luke LeDuc, senior pastor here at Wheatland, and once again, I am being prodded toward pontification by our insightful, intrepid interlocutor, Dr. Daniel Spanger. And I am happy to report that today we've added another voice that Dan will be attempting to goad into garrulousness as we are joined by our audio director, our website guru, and also my friend, our associate pastor here at Wheatland, Keith Winder. In this episode, Dan, Keith, and I are starting a new conversation. It's no secret that we're living in polarized and polarizing times. Race and racial tensions have been in the news, on our minds, and in the national conversation in a way that my generation and younger have never before experienced. What does Wheatland think about all this? Does Wheatland think about this? In this new series, we're opening up the conversation that we have been earnestly having amongst our leadership for a while now with you. One of the things that we're convinced the church must be doing in our life together as the body of Christ in these moments is listening well and then having conversations, conversations that are not tone deaf to our cultural moment nor uncritically accepting of the solutions on offer. And in this podcast, in these episodes, we are not offering quick, easy answers. We're not here to give you our hot take as talking heads. We are rather hoping to be discipled together through humble but earnest conversations that take seriously the pain and hurt and evil of our world while taking ultimately serious the promise of God to restore all that's been broken and gather all that's been scattered under the lordship of our King Jesus. This episode is just the beginning of these conversations together. Thanks for coming along. Welcome back, Wheatland family. This is Cross Reference, and um, we've been doing a podcast series, at least Pastor Luke and I have been doing them. Uh, And what we've been trying to do is provide space for Pastor Luke to sort of talk through his sermons, um, how has he been thinking about things, approaching the text. And I think that's been a really helpful series, Pastor Luke. I know that I've heard from other people that it is. I've learned a lot. Um, We're going to do something a little different today, and we're going to set up maybe um, another group of podcasts that aren't necessarily just responses to sermons. Uh, one thing I've, I've found being on session and with Pastor Luke, Pastor Keith, is that the church is really wrestling in this culture and time with lots of various problems, uh, problems set up by our culture, our society, our times, and there really is very little space for the church to engage them. Uh, maybe a Sunday school series, maybe a private conversation in a care group. But we thought maybe it would be good to carve out a little podcast space just to introduce a topic, a subject, and then allow the pastor to sort of grapple with it. And um, uh, we're, we're sort of roughly defining these as um, um, two pastors and a professor. So in case you're unaware, I'm the professor in the group. Um, I am not ordained, and therefore I have no authority here. Uh, but Pastor uh, Luke and Pastor Winder are ordained. But, so, But you also have no exposure either as a professor. You Do they call this academic freedom? What is it that you get I got here? tenure, baby. I'm there tenure in this podcast. You can't fire me. So I'll That's be around right. for a long time. 
Um, and the point of these, I think, as we've talked, is really just an opportunity to frame thinking. We're not, we're not want to put out in the front here, we're not going to answer necessarily any of the tough questions. What is racism? What is social justice? What, is, what are these things? But we want to just provide space to think through um, how do we think about them? What's it like to frame these sorts of things? So in this one, and this is just the first of a few, we're calling this one just race and racism. We're going to look at that topic. Um, and we're going to take about a half hour today to look at it and then possibly another few after that to sort of tie up some other pieces. So thank you, Pastor Luke and Pastor Winder, for being on today for this podcast. Um, maybe I can start this way um, and uh, we'll throw this out to both of you. Anyone want to jump in on it? But, apparent, but really, and obviously, the, the issue of race and racism has been around for a long time. There's no denying that. But it seems mm -hmm. to have hit another level in recent months, recent years. Um, and the stress on our society has been rather heavy, um, but also on the church. Um, we're mm -hmm. feeling it maybe in, in the same way, maybe different ways. Is, mm -hmm. is it falling on the church differently than it's falling on society? And, and why? Why now are we, are, are the, is the church dealing with it the way it is? Why are we feeling this? Yeah, thanks, Dan. It's good to be with you again today. Good to have Keith along with us. Um, I think it definitely is, as you've already identified, more uh, loud and, and differently amplified in our own congregation than it has been in the past. And I think there's a couple of things that Everyone, I, pastors that I am friends with across the country who uh, are reporting back to me the very same uh, phenomenon in their own congregations is I think it's been the way in which we entered the pandemic glued to the news mm -hmm. in a sense, um, waiting to see what the latest developments are. Where is, where is the virus doing here? Where is it doing there? And in, in, Taking up new liturgical habits with uh, consuming our news. Also, at the same time, you have lots of things happening uh, in the news regarding racial tensions. So you have uh, the killing of Ahmaud Arbery in South Carolina um, and all the attendant. Uh, we, are, are, we were already locked in on, on what was happening around the world via the via the uh, pandemic. And then, so, so Amar, Ahmaud Arbery is shot and killed in South Carolina. And then of course, George Floyd uh, in, in Minneapolis. Um, and so I, I think this set us all up to be front row spectators to these two events, and I'm sure we could add other things. Of course, there's what's gone on the few years before that we're getting more and more airtime than ever before. Um, but I think this past year in particular has brought it to the church in new ways because we were all at home already glued to our devices, uh, televisions, whatever it is, and we're watching all this unfold. And at the same time, we are isolated from one another. So not only are we watching uh, cataclysmic pandemic news, uh, racial tension, awful videos that we are watching, in a sense, we're watching them alone and isolated. And uh, so if we're talking about 
the impact that this past year has had, I think we have to look at the location that we found ourselves in while we began to consume some of this. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So, so, the, so the issue there is about how we're seeing it and how we're engaging it. Keith, it, it seems though that this is really just bringing into some of our consciences something that's already there. So, so the social media and all this hasn't changed the racial problem. It simply made us aware of it. Is the, is the stress we're feeling something, something along the lines where we're finally becoming aware of something we just weren't aware of before? Yeah, and I think as well, this is a particular problem if we're thinking about our congregation and other congregations like ours. This is a particular new awareness for white evangelical congregations, I would imagine, in the sense that I personally had been, uh, Luke used the word isolation, I have been isolated or distanced from lots of things that I've now seen on social media and that I've now seen in the news in a way that I hadn't before. And so now I'm seeing things and becoming aware of things that I didn't know about or was shielded from in a sense. And now I have all these questions. And now I'm, I, have, I have lots of questions and in the sense that Luke is saying, I don't have people to talk to about them because I'm in my house. Mm. And, and the one place I have to talk about it is on social media, which is, of course, a horrible place. Very healthy, place. very healthy. <laughs> which is an impossible place to make, uh, maybe not impossible, but really difficult to make good, solid progress in any sort of conversation uh, that requires depth and nuance. And so I think that, yeah, we, we became more aware, at least like me in my situation, I became more aware of things and then didn't have opportunities right in front of me to unpack it in a healthy way. So it seems like it seems like pastors that one thing our congregation I think all Christians are dealing with is that there's this reality out there of things that have gone wrong and, and are going wrong. And then there's the people talking about what's going wrong and what they say is going wrong um, and, and trying to navigate all of that to make sure that we have a, 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 a balanced approach to, to what's happening so that we're responding appropriately and not overreacting is one thing that we've seen, I think, in recent months is that overreaction is just the norm now. We don't normally react to anything. We overreact to everything. Um, is, is in some way, and, and Pastor Luke, you're talking about the way the media, is the media amplifying something um, unnecessarily? Are they taking problems? I mean, there's been a lot of progress racially. There's been a lot of progress economically compared to say mm -hmm. 10, 20, 30, 80, 150 years ago. Um, obvious progress. Is the media over amplifying things um, and then sort of you know, sort of rousing people to, to responses when, when they should be more sober about it. And, and is the problem therefore really just more a media or is it actual reality in our society? Yeah, I think I, think I would echo uh, a lot of what Keith was just saying about the way in which, you know, we were physically isolated from a lot of this in the pandemic, from, from each other in the pandemic, and we're watching this unfold. But I think there are two things at play. Um, one is we have been isolated from a lot of the stories of our brothers and sisters in, let's say, the African-American church. Um, I know that we have, we know very little of their stories. And I know that because I have uh, one particular friend who is an African-American pastor that I would have never heard those stories from 
unless we had sat together and, and shared together and heard from him um, at, at a whole bunch of different levels. So um, without having that unique relationship, um, I would have never known his own story in becoming an ordained minister in our own denomination, nor some of the experiences he has had um, since that time. So I, th I think that's true. So I do think that what we are seeing is helpful at one level in that there are topics that are being brought to light that we have never perhaps encountered or considered. Um, I think what has made this difficult as Dan, you and I have talked about, or, and I've, you know, we've, we've thought about together is the, the hot take and the quick reactions that we've seen and the solutions that are offered to the things that we're seeing. Um, it's not that we can't agree and don't need to be made aware of some of many of the racial um, injustices that have happened even within uh, the church, let's say. I mean, mm -hmm. if we can't talk about everything, mm -hmm. let's talk about it within the church. Um, but the solutions that have been offered uh, have not been satisfying, to put it mildly. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of what um, makes it particularly difficult is because we, we see what is being put in front of us as a problem and recognize it as a real racial injustice. And we could share maybe at some point, we'll um, invite my friend to join us on this podcast and sure, we can talk about some of, the, some of those things. <clears throat> the problem is um, the solutions that have been offered in the place where we are also hearing about the problem perhaps for the first time, mm -hmm. Mm. Uh, we have real problems with the solutions as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I'm glad you brought up story because in a sense, news now is storytelling uh, less so than maybe just merely reporting. And I'm not saying it, there ever was a time that the news was just reporting things that were happening, but, but right now it is very much storytelling. And I think when we consider what's wrong in society, and what we see on the news, sometimes I think it does a decent job of putting in front of us what is wrong. The, the news does a decent job of telling us a story um, and making us, helping us become more aware of issues and struggles and pain. What I don't think it does a good job of, because it wasn't intended to do this, is to tell us the story that um, brings the solution and brings healing and brings mm -hmm. hope. And, but we tend to look to the news for all of those things. Mm -hmm. um, we tend to say, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch the news and they're going to tell me what's wrong and they're going to tell me how to fix it. And then I can go and, and I can go and do it. Um, and I, it's too much pressure. It's, we've put too much pressure in a sense on, mm -hmm. on what the news or social media does. And we've, we've failed to look to the scriptures and the big story mm. that both identifies the struggles and the issues and the sin and the brokenness, but also shows us light mm. and hope and goodness. Yeah, so there's, there's a distinction I think you're bringing up, both of you, which are really helpful, and that is that there's a reality, there's pain, there's suffering, 
then there's someone to blame. There's some reason we've gotten here and you need some theory to explain structural racism, microaggression, um, capitalism, individualism. You've got to come somewhere to explain it. And then that explanation helps you posit a solution. And I think what you're all saying is right is that we've all come to the problems, not directly. You meet a friend talking to someone, you've come through it indirectly through a mediator and this mediator, the news, social media, whoever has already framed out what's gone wrong. So you got the problem, it becomes very apparent. And then you've got what's gone wrong and what to solve it, how to solve it have come as this complete package. And I think for a lot of people, especially in the church, how do we pick that apart so we can be respectful that, oh, there is a problem and I want to be aware of it. I just don't want to buy the explanation I'm being given. Because I think like you, Keith, a lot of what we're hearing is not informed by a gospel of forgiveness or repentance. It's informed by retribution. It's informed by all sorts of things we really don't think have a place in the church. So how to, because I think the other problem is Christians go, well, then I don't, I don't believe the problem exists. I believe this whole thing is just being made up, you know, by some radicals in the news media that want me to believe something. So there's really hard work to be done here to pick apart and say, I want to be sensitive to the problem, but I don't want to buy into what I'm being told to think about it. So how, how do we do that? How does our congregation do that? Yeah, I think, Dan, the way you framed sort of the barrel that you find yourself over mm. in much of, of this discussion is just that. Um, mm. You find yourself granting the problem, but because you know the way in which the problem has been framed, maybe the details in which the problem is framed are problematic because of the story that we know from scripture. And, so, and, and, and then flowing out of that very often, the solutions to the problem um, are even more problematic than, yeah. than the uh, details of, of the frame because they take that to a, a whole nother level and a whole nother conclusion. And so what you find yourself with is if you want to talk about the problem in the church, I'm, I'm talking about in the church now, and, and this is based on my experience, I think probably Keith, your experience as well. If you, if you begin to talk about, uh, let's say, if you begin to talk about a problem of racism or racial injustice, um, there is the danger that to bring that discussion up means that a certain segment will assume that what you mean by that is what they hear yeah. on their favorite social media or, or news yeah. site. And that works both ways, That's doesn't right. it? Yeah. Like depending on where you go for your information, who your trusted source are. Keith and I talk a lot about in this, Dan, um, reliable guides. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like mm -hmm. it's really helpful to have identified some reliable guides, not infallible guides, because those don't exist, but some reliable guides. And I think um, one way to fight that is uh, not fight reliable guys, but to, but to fight just fight for not, reliable guys. Yes, fight for reliable guys is, is to, for us as the church, which is why we're doing this, um, to begin to have conversations that are conversations, not um, reactions to something and, and not simply hot takes on the latest headlines. Right. And I think that's what's so important about what we're, the spade work we're doing here today is that what we have to do is begin a conversation amongst ourselves and within our own congregation that is 
centered on the story that we've actually given ourselves, given our lives to knowing and being known by. Mm. And that is the story of God becoming human to rescue us from all of the sin and the story that we tell creation, redemption, fall, new creation. So, so this is a good point that even, even when you say the word race and racism, it's already a loaded word and it, it's not that. And I, and so, so there's a lot of biblical terms about love, um, Mm -hmm. about neighbor that are also rich words, um, that come with a whole nother set of loadings. Um, and I, and I, I guess I'm asking and and Keith Luke, is is it possible to reload these terms biblically? And like, I think, I think even when it comes up in the pulpit and you say, well, we're against racism, for some people they go, oh, so you're for this idea of structural racism and, and white guilt and, and microaggression and all that, because the word's already loaded publicly mm-hmm. with all of these concepts, when really, I think what you're saying is we love neighbor regardless of Jew, Gentile, Greek, woman, whatever, it doesn't matter. Right. Is it possible for our congregation to reload these words? Or, or, or some of these words just become almost impossible to use? And what, mm-hmm. What's your take on that? How do you, how do you address that? Yeah, I, I think, I don't it might be hard to re to reload the the terms, but what I I don't know maybe Luke thinks we can, but what I think <laughs> we can do, what I, what I think we can do is identify upfront the the lens or the the approach we're taking. So for example, if you hear any all these terms, you tend to think about race or racism. Some people might tend to think of it in relational terms because of relationships they have, or maybe experiential terms because they've had all these experiences where, where race was a significant factor, or, or political terms because they'll, they'll hear these things and they think about all these categories you're talking about and these politics. Um, what we don't tend to do is think in theological terms as often, which is probably what we should be doing um, because it's the one reliable thing. So I think like, for example, if from the pulpit, we talk about something uh, about race or justice or oppression, I think it's important for us to be clear that we are speaking theologically and not to say that that is not practical, but we are speaking theologically. We are using these terms uh, through the lens as best we can uh, of scripture. And it's not that relationships and experience and politics don't matter, but this is the framework that we're coming from and to ask listeners to hear it through that same framework. That way people, when we say something, we're saying, when I, when I say this word oppression, he, hear it for what I'm saying. Don't add all of those things when you think politics. Okay, now oppression, I've heard oppression and I'm thinking all these political categories. I'm gonna now assume all those things about what the pastor up front said. I think the more that we can come at it from a particular place, a theological place and ask people to what we say is what we actually mean. We don't actually mean six things behind it. Um, I think that's really helpful because then we get on the same plane or the same approach. So it's do, not- Do you think that's possible though, Luke? I mean, do, do you think, so you don't want, or Keith, you don't want to reload the term, but in, in fact you do. Yeah. It's a, and I'm not, and maybe that's the right thing here. And I, I appreciate you saying that because I think that's where we as a congregation can go wrong is we, we assume the cultural frame we're in to understand what you're saying and you're saying, right. And I think that I think that to me is the healthiest thing that we come to church to reframe our entire thinking around the scriptures, yeah. around theology, where we get the rest of the six days our vocabulary is being built by our culture. 
do you do you think that it's feasible that when you get up there we can actually do that i uh, maybe the jury's out on the feasibility of something like this <laughs> but is there a nobility and a virtue in in shooting for something like that um and i think um so whether it's feasible or not i'm not sure but i i I think it is. I'm, I'm kind of an optimist about stuff like okay. this. But, and I, but I think it's actually the thing we're called to, as, as you're hinting at, Dan. And that, that, means, that, that means two things for us as, as responsible handlers of the word of God, which we're aspiring to be. Um, and that is, first of all, that we are never neglectful of our location from which we are doing this work. So it is irresponsible to stand up and use words uh, that mean something to the listener that we are not willing to define and disciple um, the, the biblical definition that we're actually using. Yeah. So in other words, there's a ninth commandment sort of thing here. If I say something uh, to be clever, knowing that it could be misunderstood by 40%. What about four people? Who, whatever. There, there's something about truth-telling and about um, uh, bearing false witness that we need to be really careful about. But I think, so, so that's Keith and Mai's work, is to be very, to have these conversations that hopefully bleed into the sermons and the way we use it. And I know that I've been guilty of using things from, I, I, I've used words and phrases that I've had to <laughs> answer for mm -hmm. in a sense in I'm conversations sure <laughs> Yeah, uh, that I've had to answer for in conversations afterward. I don't think I was uh, purposefully meaning to bear false witness, but what I, what I was doing was learning a very difficult lesson that, okay, I know my brother or my sister here is going to hear that and think this is what I'm saying. And, um, so now I need to think about what not 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 afraid to say what is the truth of scripture, but also be aware that it has a context. But the other thing I want to say, so where we have work to do, our congregation actually has to work at this as well. Like it's a challenge for those who hear sermons. And I was going to look it up here in my handy dandy uh, larger catechism, but um it's the question of how is the word of God to be um, heard? I think I've found it. It's, it's question 160 from the larger catechism. What is required of those that hear the word preached? It is required of those that hear the word preached that they attend upon it with diligence, preparation, and prayer. Examine what they hear by the scriptures, receive the truth with faith, love, meekness, and readiness of mind as the word of God, meditate and confer of it, hide it in their hearts, and bring forth the fruit of it in their lives. And I'm not going to unpack all of that, but simply to say that there are responsibilities for those who hear the word of God preached, as well as deep and 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 heavy responsibilities for those who actually preach it. That's the question before, how is it to be preached?
Let me let me put you both in the hot seat. Um, when when you preach, there are times when you will say, "I am against racism and I am against abortion," and it seems to us in the pew that what you've done is trying to lay out a political middle ground. And as much as I appreciate that saying, "Oh, this is just theologizing," it seems to me there are other things being done. It feels like. You're angling the church and congregation into a political position hmm. as a way of getting us to reset our relationship with our neighbor. And I think what it feels like sometimes is actually you're using politics or political position to get us to think theology rather than theology to get us to think differently about politics. So can you dissuade me of that, of that perception? That's a good question. Um, can I dissuade you of it? Um, I think, I think when I have talked about abortion and racism, let's say, the goal has always been to push, um, both sides of, um, so, so what I, so what you've done there is taken up two two parties. Let's say, in a sense, what you've done is you've taken up two political parties' drumbeat, right? Basically, yeah. that's what you've done. Um, not you, but me. No, I get it. <laughs> what I've done is taken up two um, political parties, maybe their main drumbeat. And my goal has always been to say neither of these is sufficient. Both of them are necessary, as we've talked about before, but neither of them is sufficient. I'm not saying I've, I've always executed that flawlessly, sure, sure. but the point that I've been is that there actually is no middle ground. Um, and maybe I haven't said that clearly enough, and, and that's, that's fine. But what I've wanted to say with that is this issue is real and this issue is real. There, there, there are things that have to be done in a culture of death where we have just turned our face away from a culture of death. And that culture of death is not just here, it's also here. And the church has always been opposed to both of these things. So it's not a middle way, but a third way. It's a zigging and a zagging that I think um, someone who's committed to the kingdom of God will find themselves doing from time to time with regards to current current issues. Does that, does that get out of Keith, how, how you've approached that? I guess I've thought, if I've thought of these two particular issues that you brought up, it was a good question, Dan, now, because I had to think and I still don't have a great answer except to say this. For those particular issues, when those are both brought up sort of together, uh, put forth together in a sermon, I tend to think of it, if I'm trying to think theologically, then politically, not politics that, that informs theology, I tend to think of it as it's really, in my opinion, it's really difficult to argue um, for God's broad, far-reaching into every nook and cranny of the world, kingdom of God, and also that we're all image bearers as humans and not and not strongly work against abortion and racial injustice, mm -hmm. or positively to work for racial justice and for 
the protection of the unborn and then when they're born throughout life. So I tend to think of it as, I think that I'm being disingenuous, if that's the right word, by saying that I believe that all humans are created in the image of God if I don't somehow passionately fight for uh, children to be born. And also when people are born of whatever ethnicity and whatever social situation they're in that we are fighting for them throughout their life until the end. So that's how I think of it as it's a theological thing that has political implications. And then where I would agree with Luke is this idea that it forces us to zig and zag all over the place on the political spectrum, mm-hmm. that we're not always trying to find the 50% in between the two, the exact middle between right and left, but that sometimes we're gonna seem like the, our theology is gonna take us really far to the right and sometimes it's going to take us far to the left yeah. and we're going to be all over the place. Uh, but that's because our theology is informing our politics. And that has more to do with culture being all over the place than the right. gospel being all over yeah. the place. Yeah. I was and going I, to point yeah. that out. Yeah. yeah. Let me, let me say as a clarification. So I'm, I'll, and I, I know the answer to this question, so it's not why I'm not being facetious. So you know that. Um, but, but therefore I, I think we can safely assume that when you say, you're against abortion, against racism. The right is not for racism and the left Christian is for abortion. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because I think somehow that's how it can be heard, you know, say, oh, I'm against abortion. That must mean I'm a racist or I'm, I'm for racial justice. It must mean I'm, I'm for abortion, that kind of thing. Um, right. Which I think is, again, more to do. And I think, Keith, this goes back to your point, the trickiness of the culture setting these terms for us and the church re-theologizing. And I think Luke that's a good, a good advice to our congregation, all of us, is that it's our responsibility, as well as yours, to be come into the sanctuary looking to think biblically. And I think maybe that's what happens is we come in so ready to accept our cultural framework mm-hmm. that we then are asking you not, you know, not to ask you to take the right side on as a pastor, rather than say, I'm going to come in and shed as much of that as possible as I walk into the sermon. Yeah. Um, so there's work to be done on both sides and, here, which I appreciate. And to me, that gets at your feasibility question. Um, which I can sometimes be despairing of, frankly, <laughs> is how personal experience possibly. Yeah, how do I? How how does one come into this place to shed all of that that we've been consuming <laughs> for so much of our week and and living in in frankly if if. I think if I'm thinking about this rightly, living defensively Mm -hmm. um, for much of our week, come in and then all all of a sudden flip a switch and and be open and vulnerable and just, oh, we know our pastor is like, if you are deeply suspicious of a talking head, you get a pastor up there as a talking head. (laughs) That's right. You're going to be deeply suspicious. And I I don't think I am um, unaware of that and mm. deeply sympathetic to that, but also called to work against that for yeah. us as, yeah. as a community. And that I think is where the community takes a huge responsibility on through connection and, and care and conversation, what we're doing here. Yeah. So Cause I think it's, it's interesting to think about consumption, like you're saying, Luke, um, it's, we can't consume, consume, consume something other than for six days and then come in and hope. 
in an hour and a half on a Sunday morning, it's going to, it's going to shed all of that. We get a recharge and then we head back out. Mm. I mean, in the same way that if you can exercise some, you can exercise a lot in your life and you can shed, exercise a lot. I can, yeah. <laughs> We're happy to let you do that yeah. by the way. Keith. One can exercise there you go. and, and shed some of the bad eating habits that they have. But if you, you can't shed it all. And so I think that's the same thing. We, we have this expectation sometimes that we can just kind of consume, 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 whatever, and then come in on a Sunday morning and all of a sudden, oh, it'll get reframed and I'm good now and I can go back at it. Yeah. But actually it requires consumption throughout the week in the scriptures and in prayer and with one another in, at Wheatland, in care groups, in triads, in Bible studies, serving our community. All those things have to be all put together and that reframes and reshapes our hearts. Well, that's good because I think that that's what, you know, we we have as a great work to do. And I think it, it can sometimes the American church feel like work is the abnormal. We lived in a generally Christian culture. So as long as you're a good person, you're going to church, everything seems to work out. We're coming into an era and whether that should always have been the case, that's that's a good question to ask, but it was. And I think now it's just not that way, right? The, mm. There's this sense in which when you become passive in this in this culture, you actually, your, your faith will slip either left or right, whatever the, whatever the, the places. Um, let me let me ask you this, and we'll we'll wind this one down, and then pick it up again. Um, is there is there a theological right answer? Do, do, will we, if we study this right, know know what the problem is in America? So the, so the cultures come with all of these answers. They're very certain, right? Left is extremely certain. Right is mm -hmm. extremely certain. Is the church? Are we looking for a theological certainty, an equivalent third way, where once we think this way, we'll get exactly why this has happened and how to fix it? Yes. And okay. probably no. Okay. <laughs> I think what I want to say yes to is the fact that our, our, our beginning point is that God has revealed himself to us in Jesus, in the scriptures, and that that is a definitive word that has been given to us that like, if we don't have that certainty that God has spoken to us in Jesus and the scriptures, then um, this is just three professors. Uh, no, no, no disrespect, but I mean, <laughs> this is three philosophers podcast, right? right just yakking. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think there's one sense in which we approach it and say the scriptures have spoken truly that have they spoken exhaustively about every nuance no but they what they have said they have said truly and that is enough for us to be to come to this discussion and, and it's for me the thing that keeps me so hopeful and joyful um because the kingdom that we've received is a kingdom of joy and light and life and so for that i am deeply grateful and say, yes, we can know for certainty what God has revealed to us about his kingdom and his people and the telos of his people, where mm -hmm. all this is going. That is a deep joy. The no, I think, in my answer is this is a very steep, um, a, a steep proposition 
that we've been called to give ourselves to mm -hmm. that there has been a definitive word spoken yeah. because in our time and place, definitive words are not in vogue and they have, they've been out of vogue for a long time, but um, that's, that's going to be where I want to say that's the work ahead of us is mm -hmm. we're, we're in a, we are operating in a culture that a priori has assumed that there is no definitive word. And the definitive word is whatever, I, I won't diagnose all that, Dan, you, you could go off on that and talk to us about, about that for a while. But that's where the no comes in is, mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily a no, it's just a, maybe a woe, like this, maybe two woes, if we're taking Keith's sermon from Sunday, this is very serious, um, that we're trying to say a definitive word has been spoken in a culture where that's just not even on much of our people's radar, at yeah. least our friends and neighbors. Yeah. But it's the thing that gives me so much hope and that what we're doing here uh, as a community is the thing that we're called to in these moments is to continue like our, my role as a pastor is to continue to speak the revelation of God in Jesus in the word and the word. And um, to me, that is such a joyful work in the midst of a very difficult and dark place. Keith, final word on that. Yeah, I, I agree with what Luke is saying. It is sort of a, a yes and no that we have been given the grand story of what is good and then what is wrong and that is what is made good again and how this will end when God makes all things new. What we don't have is all the nitty gritty details of the sociology and the economics and all these sorts of things in the scriptures. But we, what we have is an invitation into a story for for us to give our lives to individually and collectively. Hmm. Here's the story in front of you. God has revealed himself and what he is doing. And now give all of yourself to it. And that's what we endeavor to do. Well, thank you, gentlemen. I know that um, we, we promised not to solve any problems here. So we effectively, <laughs> we, in 40 we minutes, not promise. solved anything. Um, but but I, I do think that's that's an important piece of this is 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 um, an ongoing and so sanctification in general is not a, a very clear clearly marked out path it's a, it's itself is an up and down a ziggy zag it's a very narrow and treacherous path and I, I think what I'm most encouraged by is I'm, I'd rather be on that path with this community mm. and the community of believers everywhere um, mm -hmm. black white wherever wherever they're found around the globe. Mm -hmm. Uh, because these are the people of God and this is where we belong. So mm, thank you for absolutely. that. I look forward to future and, conversations. We get to extend this. We're not done with this conversation. No, yeah. I, just, I hope that, I hope that what we've done today is really just started a conversation that we can begin to delve into and, and flesh out. And I'm looking forward to more conversations with you, Dan and Keith. So thank you for putting this together, Dan. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. Professors or pastors. This is professor signing off. See you guys. Bye -bye. Yeah, thank you. Friends, thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Cross Reference, a podcast of Wheatland Presbyterian Church. 
You can learn more about our church and discover additional resources on our website, wheatlandpca.org.